I love the name. I think about the name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7.14 talks about the name Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. I mean, he's not a God of monument. They've built a lot of churches and they've built a lot of monuments around that area in Bethlehem. And, and it's neat and it's exciting to be there. But I, I'm, I'm reminded that God is with us. Amen. We don't have to travel somewhere to find him. We don't have to go once a year to a certain place and say, now I found God. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, right, they had to go into the Holy of Holies, into God's presence. But God sent his only son, Emmanuel, to be with us. And isn't that the greatest news of all time? God with us. And so I'm going to share this uh, beautiful Christmas message that we know very well. But I pray it will bring some light to our, our life right now. And so we're going to begin reading out of the book of Isaiah, just one verse. This is our basis of the sermon. And remember, this is from the prophet Isaiah, long before Jesus was born. One of the things I want to say about Isaiah, if you've read the book of Isaiah, you'll find obviously it is full of insight and prophecy and things like that. One of the things about the life of Isaiah, Isaiah was known as a very consistent person. And I think that's amazing. He had a consistent lifestyle. And I believe that should be one of our, our goals in life is to be people who are consistent. Amen? I want to be consistent in my prayer life. I want to be consistent, excuse me, in my devotion time, my, my fasting, my giving. I, I pray throughout life there to be a pattern of consistency. It's very hard to be around people who are uh, inconsistent, right? And, and you can't depend on them. But I, Isaiah was a, a consistent person. He spoke the truth always. And you read that in the, in the gospel, in the book of Isaiah. He, he spoke the truth despite the people being, being very unfaithful around him. What, what I love is at the end of his, of his journey on life, he influenced the king by the name of Hezekiah. And, and through his influencing Hezekiah, he did not influence the people maybe the way that he wanted to, but he influenced the one at the top who changed the, the reforms of a nation. So this is the life of Isaiah. And he says this prophetically about someday one would come. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is the verse, Isaiah 7, 14, that we need to stand upon and remind people. God is with us, amen? He's not just a story uh, 2,000 years ago. He's not on the cross anymore, amen? He went to the grave and he rose again and Jesus said, I will be with you always. Hallelujah. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the spirit. All right. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to actually read more in depth here. Matthew chapter 1. So Isaiah gives this prophetic word, and now it comes to pass in the gospel of Matthew. We read it. The first part of Matthew, uh, we're actually going to address those first few verses in just a moment. But Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Remember, the wise men got a sign, and then they moved when they got the sign. But it says in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That does not happen every day, church. 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful, consistent, right, those things to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. That's love. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, how many know, because sometimes your first instinct is not God's plan, right? His first instinct was to divorce her. But then it says, but after he considered, right, I think it's important that sometimes we step back, we look at the situation, we look at the facts before we even say anything. My wife has taught me over the years, many times, think before you speak. And so I've had to learn how to do that. So this, this happens to all of us, right? So he considered this, and after he did the math, he calculated his next move, but then God spoke. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Everyone say that name. Jesus. Jesus. Or as they would have said in this Aramaic language, Yeshua. Right? Okay. Because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. We just read what the prophet said in Isaiah 7, 14. All, so all this took place to fulfill. This is not a random thing. This was in place forever, right? This was in place. And so this took place to fulfill. If you, later in, in, in Romans chapter eight, reading from the apostle Paul, he said, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So this story of Jesus all came together for good. Joseph had to realize that at some point. Like, like this was not his initial plan. This is not the way that he had thought things would go, but this is how things are going. So now that I see what God is doing, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna acknowledge that God is working something even though I don't understand how. And there had to be some moments where he was asking a lot of questions. But all things, all things, right? The parts you like and the parts you don't like. All things work together. The parts we don't understand, the parts we understand and don't understand. Somehow, all things work together. I, I, I was going to involve the youth this morning, actually, in my sermon, but I, I just, the Lord took me in a different direction last night. I, I, I was reading and watching just some, some news that came out of Bethel yesterday of some other tragic thing that happened to one of their worship leaders. And I was sitting in my office and I was just like, you know, Lord, how do all things work together when I read these things that happen? And, and I, I don't want to go into it too much this morning. You can investigate or ask me about it after church. But I was just like, Lord, somehow, some way, all things work together. I'm sure we've all had things in our life happen. We're like, how can this be good? And I'm sure Joseph in that moment was like, how can this be good in this world that I live in, Joseph, right? In this time, if, if, if people find out that my young uh, fiance or this of uh, Mary, if I, they find out she's pregnant, and number one, it wasn't from me, and it's before all these things are supposed to happen, he's like, this is a bad situation. But then the Lord sent the angel. Verse 23 
Remember, all things took place. The prophet had said this before. And it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage. Okay, to make it clear, he had, he had no union with her in that way, uh, in, in this regard, until she gave birth to a son. And so she was a virgin. Okay, we got to understand that's very true. And, and he gave him the name, say it with me, Jesus. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are more than thankful to be here today to be able to, to come and, and, and celebrate Christmas for what it's really about, and that is God with us, Emmanuel. And we know that there's a lot going on and things to do and celebrations and parties and jingle bells and the Grinch and Charlie Brown's Christmas and all these things, Lord God. And, and, and that's all fine, but Lord, when it, what it really matters is it's about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Like everything else kind of just fades away and that story never gets old. That's the story of Jesus, God with us. And Lord, I pray that we would remember why we do what we do and not get so consumerized in our thinking and just way of being. Bless our word here today that we can just celebrate this gift. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. You know, Christmas is often uh, celebrated. I've probably even preached on it. Um, but I, I like to think of it in this term. Uh, it's a story of new beginnings, right? Uh, remember where Israel is at. I mean, it's been a long time since we have anything in the Bible, right? There's almost 400 years from Malachi to Matthew. Uh, and so, so apparently there probably was a feeling of, things had kind of come to a halt or stayed the same. Maybe even some people would thought, like, we're at a dead end. And, and, and so by the time you get to Matthew chapter 1, um, heaven has seemingly been silent for 400 years since the time of Malachi, the prophet. And, and I did not read all of chapter 1. Obviously, we started at verse 18. If I would have had read the first 17 verses, most likely some of you might have fallen asleep. Let me look. No one's sleeping yet. Amen. Praise God. Okay. You're doing okay. Check your heart rate. You're good. Got your coffee in your veins. I hope you're good. And uh, if I would have read all those first 17 verses, maybe someone would have been like, what's this in here for? Like, why does the New Testament start with a whole bunch of names and generations and genealogies? Like, why? Why does that even matter? Let me, let me explain something to you. That is a lengthy, yes, but it is a genealogy of how Jesus came to earth by human perspective. Okay, that's what that's there for. So Matthew 14, I'm sorry, Matthew gives us 14 generations between Abraham and David. And then it gives us another 14 generations between David and the Babylonian exile of the people of Israel leaving the Babylonian uh, uh, regime. 
And then it gives another 14 generations. So it comes in groups of 14, right? Those, those names are there to represent 14 generations, Abraham, David, 14, David of Babylonian exile, and 14 more from the Babylonian exile to the birth of Jesus. How many know nothing is in the Bible that doesn't have meaning? Everything has meaning. When I was a kid, I'd read stuff like that and be like, this is boring. Why are all these names in here? This don't make any sense. Why do they put, you know, but how many know there's a meaning behind it? And I'm, we're going to get into this a little deeper. But it's a list of names, but it also signifies things that had come to an end, right? It, it shows us, uh, but it's all a part of God's redemptive story. I mean, it, it talks, it even goes all the way back right, to the times of Abraham and David, and, 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 and if you even go back to the time of Moses, think about this, Moses, uh, you remember when God gave Moses, right, the law, and, and he comes down from the mountain, he's been in the presence of God, and he comes down, and if you recall, Moses was getting instructions from God on the mountain right there, and the people got impatient with God, and, and because they got impatient, I mean, they made their own God. I mean, that's, that's a great deal of impatience, and that's a great deal of, of work uh, to get that impatient with God. And they got impatient with God. They, they couldn't wait for what was about to happen. And so they were found dancing and worshiping naked to their own God. I mean, that right there is like hardcore dedication to a false god. Right, and what, is the, what, what does the Ten Commandments start with? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, right? So Moses comes down off that mountain, and what does he do? Crack! <laughs> well, I don't think he did it over his knee, but that's how I like to imagine it in my head. But in frustration, the tablets were broken. So fast forward in the Old Testament to the prophets that God had sent. God had sent these prophets, and we find ourselves reading Isaiah 7.14, right? Isaiah is still trying to talk. He, he's sharing with the people who are not listening. Like, they're hearing the word of God, and it's another generation that's going by, and it's another generation that they're not listening to God. And I have to ask us this morning, are we still yet another generation that's not listening to what God is saying right now on the earth? Like, are we so consumed and caught up with everything? Like, you know, if, if you look at life, and if I had like a, a, a long rope, and I actually have one in my office, but I, I might use it in a few weeks for like a sermon illustration. But like, if that rope went from here to Hawaii, and some of you probably wish you were on the other end, right, in Hawaii, but if that rope started right here, that would represent just the first moments of heaven. But yet... If I just took that little bit of the rope and I said, this part of the rope is like our life on earth, like right here, like we are so concerned about this part, making sure that we do everything here, and yet we forget about all the thousands of miles of rope that represent the length of eternity. Like what generation is it going to be that sees Jesus come again? And I believe many of us in this room will be a part of that generation that sees Jesus come again. Some of you in this room will go before that. I don't know who. It's not my choice. But I, and it could happen at this moment. We could all see it. 
But I pray that nobody sees it and then is still here. And so what generation, so throughout the Bible, we see these generations, they're missing the message. And how many know, we know at the time of Jesus, people missed the fact that the Messiah, God with us, was right there in their midst. And so by the time we get to Matthew chapter 1, apparently it seemed like heaven had hit a dead end. And person after person had come uh, with a word from God. And, 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 but none of them were the Messiah, right? None of them were the fulfillment. And what had happened throughout the Old Testament, people were not listening to the messenger. So God had to send his son as the message. Right? The word became flesh. And the message was given to us, God with us, Emmanuel, in hopes that a generation would finally realize the Messiah is in our midst. And I'm so thankful. There were, there were people that caught that and understood it, that he is walking on the earth, right? We understood that people said, it wasn't just like, I, I can give you a part of my life. Jesus said, no, if you want to follow me, you have to lose your life to gain everything. Like, how many of in this room are really ready to lose everything, but in return you gain everything? And so they had in their midst the Messiah, but yet there were still people who missed it. And generation after generation after generation, I just said, I gave you those 42 generations that are in the first 17 verses of Matthew. Those generations after generation, they just kept... And finally God said, I will send my son. This is the right time. But unfortunately, there may be other generations that might miss it. And I want to ask you, it's 2019. And I sense in my heart that people are still not listening to God. Amen? I mean, I mean it's, it's obvious. Uh, God is, is, is ever-present, he, he, he's still the same God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's the same God who, who, who did all these amazing things and he's still here. But God is speaking still on the earth today. The question is, is our generation just gonna let it pass by? Or are we gonna be the generation that finally says, no, enough is enough. The, the Joshua generation that says, we are going into the promised land, Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in my own life. This is the season. This is the, God is speaking to many of you in this room right now. He says, enough is enough. And I believe that this is the time for us to listen to the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we have these 42 generations, uh, really a frustration. And suddenly, Christ comes on the scene, Emmanuel, God with us. And humanity had hit a dead end really at this time. And no matter how much they wanted to please God, you know, for the Old Testament period, they wanted to please God. It's amazing even today, many times people want to please God, but the human heart has the ability to wander, doesn't it? I mean, 
If all we're doing is trying to do things to please God, to earn his trust, to earn his favor, God, if I do these things, I'm going to earn. No, isn't it amazing that God gave us his son so that we don't have to prove anything to us. He proved his love through his son, but he want, what he wants from us is us to listen and to obey. As a parent, that was probably the great, like when my kids would do something and they would obey, I'd be like, wow, it worked. Like, we're trying to train our, 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 our newest Yorkie. Heather got, she brought home, she brought home a rescue Yorkie, and this thing weighs like three and a half pounds. I mean, I could throw it across, I, I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. I love that dog. <laughs> Please don't ever remember, take that, take that out of the sermon notes right now. I love that dog, I spoil that dog, I'm guilty of treating my dogs almost better than my own kids. So I can say those things. But when she brought that dog home, <laughs> I was a bit surprised. And, 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 and I, I, I couldn't believe, you know, um, I, we were owners of another Yorkie in our home. And, uh, it's, but one thing I began to realize is when that dog begins to obey, right? When, when you actually try to train a dog how to sit or spin or do things, it's like they actually listened. And so as, as, as children of God, when, when, we, when we are in God's presence and we, we, we begin to realize what it means to obey what he asks us to do, there, there's a freedom that comes with that. So no matter what commitment the people tried to make to God, they seemed unable to keep it. And so now we have heaven at a dead end. Because God is entirely holy and cannot work with people who reject to be holy. And so mankind has a way of wandering. We wander. Uh, so we find Joseph. Now that's where I want to go here. We find Joseph, and Joseph is at a dead end. I'm sure he was really excited about, about Mary being his wife. Many of you probably remember the day you got engaged or married, and it was just a beautiful day. I was excited. I've seen a lot of strong men, groomsmen that I've been with, and I've seen some beautiful, strong brides right before that ceremony just begin to cry. I know my son-in-law, Ben, was crying before he married Destiny. And it, it, it was neat. I actually was like, this is awesome. I like this. This is good. Don't feel bad, right? It's okay to do that. And I'm sure Joseph was just, just in love, and, and I'm sure he was looking forward to having Mary as his wife. But he got some bad news, probably it seemed like bad news when it comes to his attention, that she informs him that she might be pregnant from God. Like, that's, that's news you don't hear every day. <laughs> like, I'm pregnant. And, and that your first reaction is like, with who? And then it's like, God. Like, no, wait, wait, let me get, clean out my ears. What did I just hear? Let me talk about this for a minute. How I many, it might have been, it must have been hard for Joseph to get this message, right? Like we, we, we celebrate all these things and sometimes I think about Joseph in that moment as well and what it was like to get this word from that angel. And I believe he probably saw no way out of this. And his first reaction was probably like, there's no way to ever move forward from this. Like, this is real. Like, this is not just something small. This is like something that was apparently pretty big. 
And so he probably seemed stuck. And the scripture says that he had the mind, in mind to put her away, basically to hide her or to shelter her, but eventually to divorce her. But sometimes what you have in mind is not what God has in store. Amen? Sometimes what you have in mind is not what God has in store. It's just that he can't see a way forward. He was at a dead end. I'm sure he had dreams for them. He had plans for them. He wants a family. But now she's pregnant. And she says that the baby is from the Lord. I'm sure he thought, are you kidding me? Is this even real? Is this even happening, right? Parents, your daughter comes home, but she's like, I'm pregnant. And it's from the Lord. <laughs> I mean, that would take an, a, an amazing measure of faith and, and, and just time to step back and say, I need to think this one through for a second, amen? I need to stop and really take a look. Many of us would have just reacted right there probably with all kinds of things, right? Just like our, our emotions and our flesh, we react, but sometimes we need to take a step back and say, God, what are you doing in this moment right here? And I'm sure you're going to see a way forward. And heaven is at a dead end, 400 years of silence. Humanity is at a dead end. Joseph was at a dead end. And I wonder sometimes in our life, are we at dead ends, right? Do we ever find ourselves where we just feel like, God, I'm just at a dead end right now. I just, I don't feel like this is going forward. I don't feel like this ministry or this job or this relationship or, or, or I'm, I'm trying to pursue you, God. And I just don't feel like it's working very good. And maybe you just feel like you're at a dead end in some place of your life and you're just like, I just don't have the energy. I'm sure all of us in this room at one time or another, maybe more than that, I just say, I just don't have the energy anymore to keep doing this. I, I, I can't just keep coming up with my own energy to make this happen, right? I just, I just feel like I'm done with this, God. And what's the purpose in all of this? I know many times when we fasted as a church and I'm right now praying about that season as a church as we come into next year if there will be a time to corporately fast and there's something when you fast that you find this strength when you make it through those first few meals right it's really I mean I, I just like probably a lot of you I like food amen it's okay to say amen there I enjoy food anybody that's eat week eat a little bit too much food amen right and I like these things, and it's easy to, to, but food is one thing, but we're talking about a, a lot bigger subject here and wondering if I've ever been like at a dead end where I just, I know that, that what I've been doing isn't producing anything, and I feel like that sometimes in our life and our walk with God. God, is this really working? Like this prayer I've been praying, is it really doing anything? This person I've been witnessing, witnessing to, are they really ever going to change? And it's easy to feel like we're at a dead end, and sometimes it changes the way we express our love to God. But I, I want to tell you right now to keep waiting on God. There's a reason why things happen. There's a reason why, why situations in life happens. God is just showing us that he's ever with us. Amen. Ever with us. Joseph obviously was like, God, I don't know what else to do. His first reaction was to, to leave her. 
but then he thought about it. And we all know that religion can lead us to a dead end. You know, you try to do everything right, but you're still empty inside. One of the things I shared yesterday with a group in Pakistan, I, I, I literally, I shared that story. I, mean, I, saw, I said, you know, there was a time in my life I thought if I do everything right, if I just, if I, if I sound right, if I look right, and I said, even in ministry, it's easy to get caught like in this, this area, and even in our walk as Christians in this, this mode of if I do everything right, God is just going to love me more. And so I found myself kind of like on a wheel of performance. And I think we've all been there before. We just feel like you're kind of, and how many know you get really tired on a wheel of performance? It's like on a treadmill. After a while, I'm just kind of, I get kind of tired. I'm tired of the same scenery. And I'm like, I just want something more than this. There's got to be more than this. And, and I just sense in my heart that if you feel like you're at a dead end, it, 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 I just hear the Lord just saying, just, just trust in me. Just don't stop doing what you're doing. For, for those in this room, you've been praying for that spouse. I, I just sense in my heart, Lord, that there are many who've been praying for a loved one, a spouse, a, a mother, a father, a son, a daughter. God, that we will not stop until we see them come to Jesus Christ. Lord, I am burdened, Lord God, with, with, with the thought of people that I know and love who are not living for you. And God, that's really what matters here is that we know, God, that you've put us on the earth to, to do more. God, that you are with us. Your spirit is with us. And Lord, that you would guide us and direct us. I pray, Lord God, that 2020 will be a year of uh, of family members and loved ones coming home to the Savior. I speak that now in Jesus' name. Amen. And guess what? He's going to use you. Are you ready? Yeah? Amen. You still thinking about that my dog story? Forget about it. I love my dog more than anything. <laughs> it's a bad joke. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm here to tell you this. Dead ends are the perfect places for new beginnings. I have sat with many people in my office who with tears in their eyes would say stuff like, I am at a dead end. Or said, Pastor, I was at a dead end. I, I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to porn. I was addicted to power. I mean, and on and on. I, I've honestly had so many conversations right here in this church with people who said, I was this and that. I thought I was at a dead end. But then I realized that God says, I make all things. I mean, we just talked, and they, they would share with me. But, but, then, but then something happened, right? They said, but then God showed me through his word, or somebody gave me an encouraging word. Listen, never, never underestimate the power of an encouraging word. Like, it, it does wonders. I can't tell you how many times I've just kind of felt rejected or defeated or just like, I just, like, I'm going to be honest. Like, Lord, I, I, I thought in the year 11, like, we would be having two services right now, okay? And then someone will say, it doesn't matter about the numbers. What matters is that the church is influencing and affecting the world for Jesus Christ. Amen? So people give those words and, and they say, I was at a dead end, but then somebody spoke into my life or somebody did something for me. And see, because 
God with us means that he's asking us, right, to, to do the work of the ministry. And I pray that we would find that because religion leads us to a dead end, but, but Jesus Christ leads us to new beginnings. And the gospel message that I've come to preach on Christmas is I'm preaching about new beginnings. <laughs> he makes all things new. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, God. Lindell, I'm so thankful you have a new beginning. Amen? In Jesus' name. Linda, you have a new beginning right now. I pray that over you. Uh, uh, Destiny and Ben, you have a new beginning happening in Colorado. God's going to use you there. Uh, a summer, God, God has a new beginning in your life. I just sense God telling this church, new beginnings are coming for us. But we have to be in alignment with what God wants. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be another generation that missed it, amen? I, I want to be a part of, it, of this. Would you stand with me? And we're going to ask the worship team to join me up here. And I'm preaching this today because I don't want to wait for 2020. I said that thing about food to say that. The reason why I said that is that I want to say this. I'm guilty of waiting. I'm guilty of saying, I'm just going to eat whatever I want, <laughs> Because I'm going to start a New Year's Day. And I can tell you on New Year's Day, someone's going to bring out some, some great desserts or some, somewhere. I'm going to be like, I'll start tomorrow. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of saying, I'll just do it then. But I said that not in a spiritual sense. I said, I'm not going to wait to New Year's Day to preach about new beginnings. Let's ask God today, right now. As we celebrate Christmas and we just, we thank the Father for his son, Emmanuel, God with us, for, for opportunities that are upon us to be generous, to be kind, to be forgiving. These are all things that we need more of. I, I, need, I don't need just a little bit. I need truck, I need like a a, a, a semi-truck to come out and just dump it on my life, right? Just like, Lord, I need new beginnings. And with new beginnings comes new levels of responsibility, of joy, of purpose. I think that's the word I want to get right there is the word purpose. Purpose is a huge word. Lord, I, I just think there's that word purpose and uh you know, I think in heaven there had to be that moment where there was like an announcement made. I don't know how that looks or sounds. I mean, I described heaven the last few weeks. But in this story, right, like, like it's not the end, right? It's a new beginning. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. New beginnings. You remember when they, how many think that the Israelites, when they were standing at the Red Sea and Moses was their leader and, and, and he, they, the army is coming behind them and they've just been set free. How many think they were standing at the Red Sea thinking like, we are at a dead end. We are all going to die. Like there's no way. I don't know how in the world we're ever going to get past this, this whole thing here. But then we know that the seas parted and they made it through. God made a way when it seemed to be no way. Father, now I pray that we would understand the power 
of that message that God is with us. He's with us in in hard situations. He's with us in those difficult moments. He's with us in the hospital. He's with us when we feel alone or we feel like we've messed up or we feel like we've gone too far. God, you're with us. And you don't want to see anyone perish, but everyone to have everlasting life. Everyone to have a a life of knowing that they are in the Father's care. Hallelujah. I want to pray Psalm 20, verses 4 and 5 over you. May he grant your heart's desire and make your plan succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of his victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer your prayer. Lord, we lift up our banners. We praise you, Lord. No matter what the outcome is, God, we know that you are in control. And Father, Lord, I ask, Lord, that as we celebrate Christmas, that we would be reminded that you are with us. We would be reminded, God, that we, Lord God, have been given such influence in this earth through you, Jesus. Not through ourselves, but God, our words, our our actions, God, can influence people. But we can also do things and act in certain ways and live in certain ways and say things, God, that can be detrimental. I pray, God, that we would choose the former and not the latter. Like Joseph, Lord, he reconsidered I believe that God, you you were working on his heart, God. You were you were comforting him, and he understood that this is right. This is God's plan. This is his son. Lord, I thank you for this day to be together in your house. Bless us now. As we celebrate Christmas together with our family and friends. I pray for anyone that has a heavy heart, Lord, a heavy heart right now. Would you just lighten that load? Lighten that load. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.